0: welcome to episode two of the sports exchange podcast i am your host reggie Bobin. i am now joined by my co-host brent weber brent what's up buddy
1: Hey, not much here. Just chilling, uh, long day at work. I feel great right now. All
0: right. Happy to have you on, as always, my friend. Uh, We're going to be touching on the NFL, uh, the upcoming NFL draft. Uh, Obviously, we're going to talk about the Masters today, round one. Uh, All the uh, dramatics of, you know, whatever the hell happened today. Uh, But before we start, I want to touch up, recap the NCAA uh, title game from last Monday. Uh, Gonzaga versus Baylor. The Baylor Bears are the national champions for 2000-2021. Brant, from the beginning, tip-off of that game, I pretty much knew it was over for Gonzaga.
1: Well, I'll tell you what. Give all credit to Baylor for being so aggressive on both sides of the court. They they dominated the game. They bullied them.
0: They bullied them.
1: I mean, it was ridiculous. I, I started watching. I'm thinking to myself, well, Gonzaga's got to have a run sometime in this game. Maybe a mini run here and there, but Baylor had an answer for every run they had. It wasn't even close.
0: Yeah, when Gonzaga, I think it was what, the beginning of the second half, they made a little run where they got it down to, I want to say, was it 10 points? Did it at one point?
1: Yeah, so it was okay. down about two points. They were down 20 most of the game.
0: Yeah, exactly. But I never even felt like even when Gonzaga made that that, that run, at the beginning of the second half, that they had any chance. Baylor was just – they just beat them up in the post. They were quicker. They were just more aggressive. They just kind of wanted it more. I mean, just the offensive rebounds were ridiculous at the first half. I was going like – I was like, what happened to Gonzaga? They were so technically efficient throughout the entire year, throughout the entire tournament, and now it's just kind of like everything fell apart. Now, I kind of just want to get your opinion on the game in total before I throw out a question to you to see if – you kind of, you buy the argument of uh, this particular question, but what do you think happened to Gonzaga?
1: Well, as you remember, was well, a few weeks ago I said that it is so hard to go undefeated wire to wire that, you know, you may not see it, but the pressure of staying undefeated and on top of that, trying to win the national championship, I think it finally caught up and,
0: no, I was going to say, that's, go ahead. No, you did say that. You did say that. I do remember you saying that.
1: And so that's why, even though, yeah, maybe Gonzaga, you know, were the favorite definitely to win the game, but you just had this feeling that Baylor was going to come up and win this game.
0: Now, is it a case, and here's the question I'm going to pose to you. Now, um, obviously, they both played on Saturday. Baylor easily cruised by through Houston, uh, the Houston Cougars, just, trampled them from the very beginning uh gonzaga had that classic game with ucla that went into overtime that basically ucla was just head-to-head with gonzaga throughout the entire game do you think anything that happened last monday night had any effects from basically them basically having to go war uh, go to war with ucla did that have any any ramifications whatsoever or do you think just Baylor would just beat him nine out
1: of ten times well, I'll be honest with you, Reggie. Because Gonzaga had a real tough game with UCLA. I thought that's exactly what they needed to be toughened up and ready for this game because they've been blowing out teams left and right all year. And I thought it would be a wake-up call. But I think Baylor did a better job of you know, the coaches, especially of showing the players the tape of this game and what they needed to do. UCLA was very aggressive on the defensive side of the ball and Baylor definitely took that to heart on both ends of the court uh, when they played Gonzaga.
0: Now, this, these two teams were supposed to meet up back in December, if I remember correctly. They were pretty much out from out of the, uh, the gate, the two best teams in the country. I mean...
1: Uh, no question about it. And, you know, you had the Big Ten sitting around there, but, wow, did we find out uh, how overrated the Big Ten conference was, especially with they're showing in the tournament. Michigan, to me, was the only team that showed up. Uh, so they were definitely overrated, uh, but it was definitely Gonzaga and Baylor and everyone else, you know, from the beginning of the year uh, to the end.
0: Well, you know, like it's funny that you said that that UCLA game was the game that maybe Gonzaga needed to kind of wake them up where I felt like they just looked flat. It's basically, it took everything, everything that they had to just win that particular game that by the time Monday came around, they just looked like they were just done. um, and that could be the case. Or, like I mentioned, you know, maybe Baylor perhaps is just a better team. If you look at the, you know, I don't know if you notice, if you look at the Baylor players compared to the Gonzaga players, the the Baylor guys look like football players. I mean, they were just incredibly strong. Bullied their way basically with the uh, Gonzaga big men. Did anything that they wanted to. Obviously, they hit their outside jump shots, their three-pointers. Um, they had better ISO players. They just controlled it from the, uh, from basically the the uh, the tip ball, but I just I just noticed their like the size of their bodies. They would, it would it seemed like it was boys against men.
1: Well, Reggie, it's uh, you know Baylor played a perfect game, and to beat Gonzaga, you definitely gotta have a perfect game. But again, I think in the mindset, that's why you never uh, bet on an undefeated team going into the NCAA tournament. If that hadn't happened. For 45 years and continue, it's not going to happen again. So,
0: Well, yeah, I mean, we've had a few UNLV, we had Kentucky, we had uh, maybe another team that I'm missing. Uh, I think it was, uh, was it Wichita State back in 2013? They went
1: up? Uh, yes, they did.
0: Okay, so perhaps in my, look, like, I'll never close the door on nothing will ever happen, but I think it was basically UCLA. That UCLA game basically took everything out of Gonzaga and they were just flat. They just did not look like the same team. They, they. I mean, they were a well-oiled machine. They look flat. I'll stick to that. I'll stay with that basically going forward.
1: And the good thing about the result, uh, Reggie, is that, okay, maybe next year when we have a team that will go into the tournament as a clear favorite, and then we're going to be sitting back saying, wait a minute, not so fast. That's what we thought about Condaga the year before. So I think in a good Way it ended up like that, so you could, you know, watch the tournament and see the unexpected happen. True enough, true
0: enough. Okay, you want to talk about the Masters today? Round one,
1: uh, I'd love to watch the Masters, yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about it.
0: Well, okay, now I get that it's only one day, it was not a good day for the big guys, the big guns. I mean, uh, pretty much all of them came out the gate struggling, um, you know. Uh, Justin Thomas, although he did finish plus one, you know uh, my guy Brooks Koepka, uh, Bryson DeChambeau is plus four. Uh, Dustin Johnson looked a bit erratic, b- basically out of the gate. I think he's at plus two. Not a good day, you know. Colin Morikawa, I think he's at plus one. So a lot of the um, a lot of unknowns outside of Justin Rose, who shot a minus seven. But we got guys got Brian. I think it's Brian. Brian
1: he's minus three yeah we, uh, but you know, like, yeah like you said it's uh uh the only big name that's under par would be I consider Patrick Reed a two under
0: yes, definitely
1: and he's always a threat but have, just has an experience being the leader, that's dangerous for the rest of the field
0: and you have Webb Simpson at minus two as well um okay, I guess look, it's too early to kind of say what's gonna happen. We won't know until Saturday who's gonna be in the running, obviously. Just off the top of your head, who do you think is going to be in contention? Basically, give me three or four guys that you think is going to be in contention come Sunday.
1: Well, I, I'm going to throw out a uh, curveball here, and I'm going to say Justin Rose is going to have a real tough day tomorrow and come back to the pack. Uh, the weather forecast, uh, we're supposed to get some a chance of rain in the afternoon. So... Uh, you know, a lot of the uh, guys will be, you know, that's finished late today will be early. So that does favor Rose. I just feel like Rose is going to drop back to the pack. Uh, the weather's supposed to be really bad on Saturday, so that's going to be interesting on moving day. But the guys I think that can definitely make a run and be in contention, uh, you got John Rom, that's even yeah, far. Yeah, that's who I like. Him. That's
0: who I like as well. Uh,
1: you got Shoffley, you know, Xander Shoffley that even uh, far. He's uh, sitting uh, there. Yes. Uh, so you got a couple of guys in there, Justin Thomas, plus one, anybody from minus three, the second place guy, all the way back to plus three or four is all very well in it. It's a matter of what happened to Justin Rose. Now if Justin Rhodes goes out there and shoots another six or seven under par round the ball. That's going to eliminate a lot of contenders just going into the weekend.
0: Yeah, pretty much. I don't think he'll repeat the day that he had today. Um, I think, like you mentioned, he will come back down to earth a little bit. The three guys who I like, John Rahm, as you mentioned, I like Morikawa. I always liked his game ever since last year when he kind of broke through. And I think Justin Thomas. uh, I was very impressed, kind of the composure. There was a few times that I texted with you that he looks very frustrated. He had a couple of shots where you can clearly tell, like, it was in his head. But he was able to put that aside and shoot a pretty respectable round, plus one. I mean, you know, as – Torrential as the the greens were today, and as as you know, bad as everybody played, you know, the, you know, a lot of the top guys who were expected to kind of come out and kind of show their stuff. I thought his composure; he showed me a lot today, and I think he can make a run. I think he he's shown that he could do that. The last tournament that he won, he came back from what was it? Was it plus six?
1: Plus six. he was seven. seven. Yeah, he was he, seven. was. he was seven down. I think he was plus. Uh, in the player Championship, he was actually uh, plus one after the first round, I believe. But and, he was seven. But he, he was seven shots off the lead after two rounds.
0: Yes, yes, uh, yeah. That, that Friday going into Saturday, he was plus seven.
1: So and I, he had uh, a huge. Uh, What's that third round? He had that huge uh, third round, I believe. that got him exactly. within.
0: Yes, yes, yeah. He showed a lot of mental fortitude. I like him. I like so. I like Thomas Morikawa, and I like Rom. I think Rom can win it. I'd love to see that. Uh, uh,
1: uh, never count out Justin Johnson. Um, I like you know, the thing about I'm a huge Justin Thomas fan, as you well know. I him going to Alabama myself. Uh, the one thing about Justin Thomas, it seems like in every tournament he plays, it's like the front nine of a first round. It's like a he's trying to feel the course a little bit. He gets himself in you know, two or three bogeys. Then he settles down at back nine which he did today. He was two under the back nine today. And then he just, then he played better the rest of the tournament. So for him to be, uh, you know, just one over right now and definitely within striking distance, he could definitely make a run. But I expect, um, and you know what? If one guy we have not talked about. What about Jordan Spieth? He's well, one under. Actually,
0: no, I was actually saving that one for a little later. Uh, I was actually going to bring him up in the next topic actually uh, just I just wanted to get the three guys or three or four guys that you thought were going to be in contention, but I guess since you brought up the name, might as well talk about it speed uh, he, he had pretty you know he had a bit of a rock just like everybody else he had a bit of a rocky start he had a he had a um, a plus seven a triple bogey I forget what I think it was a ninth hole, and i 'm thinking oh god he 's going to fall apart, and then he has an eagle I forget what hole he had the eagle in to Put him back at you know to put him at minus one, so he had kind of an up and down, um, up and down round today. But he showed a lot of mental fortitude as well. He finished strong. He's a guy coming off, um, the win, I think is was the was it the Valerio win, uh, last it Sunday. Was
1: the, uh, Texas, yeah. yeah,
0: so coming off that win on Sunday with that kind of momentum and what he showed me today, and everybody struggled again, everybody struggled. He had his moments, he had his up downs and whatnot, but he finished up very strong. I think that's something that can catapult him into the next two days and put him in, cont- in contention. He'd probably be my like my fourth guy who I think could pull it off.
1: Uh, there's no doubt about it. He's a, he's got some great momentum, you know, going into this weekend. And uh, uh, there's no reason why we should go against Jordan Speed. He should be more relaxed now, getting that monkey off his back, uh, winning the. Uh, Open. So uh, we'll see what he does. But he's such a great start.
0: This is his first one since 2016, I believe,
1: right? 2017 was his last uh, PGA win. Ooh,
0: seems like forever. I mean, this is a guy That's that used to rip off wins right, left and right. I mean, um, that is- you know, Patrick Reed is another name, I think. He'd probably be my fifth guy. I think he's a little bit, I, I, I don't want to say underrated, but he's, he always seems to be in the mix.
1: And I believe he's won the Masters already once. Yes, he has. Yes, he has. And so he's got that experience. He's won this. So he likes playing on this course. So, yeah, I definitely see him hanging around for the weekend as well.
0: Okay. So I guess since we're not obviously going to have our next episode until this is over, uh, make your prediction. Who do you think wins the uh, 2021 Masters?
1: Wow. You're putting me on the spot. I want Justin well, I'm gonna Thomas. To, I'm going to I'm gonna answer Who? I'm sorry?
0: No, I'm gonna give you my prediction as well. So, you know,
1: it's well, you to give your prediction. We don't wanna disappoint all these people out there. No, nah, we don't so, let's see here. My prediction right now, so when it, it's not gonna be Justin Rose, I just have a feeling it'll drop back uh in the pack a little bit. Okay. Um, I just have a feeling, um the guy that's gonna come on strong, maybe uh John Baum. Uh, I, think it'll be the guy, I think it'll be between Rob and, and Tom and two guys I see making a run. And then there'll be a third guy that's going to be someone we're not talking about. And I wish I could tell you who it is. I have no idea who that would be. But it always seems to be that other guy that no one's talking about at the moment that's going to show up, you know, toward the end of the weekend.
0: Brent, you're sitting on the fence. I asked for one name.
1: Well, sitting on the fence. It depends on which side I fall over, huh?
0: <laughs> right. Um, you okay, me, I. You gave me three guys. I'm like, I want one winner, <laughs> one
1: guy. Okay, I guess three can't win, huh? No. So no. let's see. Um, now I'm going in my heart. I'm going to go Justin Thomas, but I'm going in my heart.
0: Okay, fair enough. I'm going to go with John Rahm. I like again. Uh, he's he's got a sweet game. I think his game fits Augusta. Um, I love the storyline and, you know, call me hokey, but, you know, he, obviously he just had uh, his, first, uh, his first child this uh, last past weekend. And, you know, I kind of like the way he's playing. The fact that he's even par, I think he'll kind of have a little bit of motivation going into the weekend. And, um, yeah, I'll take John Rom. So you got JT, I got
1: Rom. Fair enough? Hey, you know what? Great pick, Reggie. And uh, that would have been my pick. I'm, that way we have different guys to make it a little bit more fun. So, uh, good luck to whoever wins this tournament. Well,
0: what what if Kepka goes like minus nine tomorrow? I'm like, oh wait a minute! <laughs> <laughs> I, I no, I don't, I don't. I think he's missed a little bit too much time. Like he's still my guy, but he's he's been off way too much, and you know his, he just didn't really look all that good. My friend, go ahead,
1: go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Now i was gonna say about Kepka. Did, did what did he finish today? Four over. He was a uh, plus two. Oh, plus two, that's not bad considering uh, he hadn't played much recently. So, but I agree with you, he, it's not enough playing time to be actual contender at the end of this thing.
0: Yeah, it's him, it's Johnson at plus two. I'm trying to see some other notable names. Oh, Bubba Watson, at, down to two. It uh, hey, look, Phil Mickelson's at plus three. How about that? And yeah, uh, I know you still got it. And uh, only De D'Shamboul is probably out of it, he's at plus four. I don't think this course particularly fits his style of play um oh Roy's out of it too. yeah Roy is at plus four i think he's done he's finished at least for this weekend it's not uh he's not in the mix but uh yeah we'll see how that plays out we we'll obviously will um go into a little bit more once we get a winner for the uh, 2021 masters so let's talk some nfl Brent.
1: now i'm good i'm ready
0: all right so my friend this morning i woke up 7 a.m. 7 a.m. Um, West Coast time. Put on the Masters, had some tea, was able to relax, enjoying life. And, you know, being very blessed, as I'm sure you are.
1: But, oh, I know the feeling.
0: And, you know, at times like that, I kind of thought to myself, wow, you know, I'm feeling like really, really, really good about just everything. And then I kind of think, oh, man, who wouldn't I not want to be at this time? Deshaun Watson.
1: I mean that is correct, yeah.
0: I mean 22 allegations against him. Two women have come forward with statements. He's been suspended his his um his uh, endorsement deal with Nike has been suspended. I expect that to kind of like just fall apart at some point. And his Beats by Dre, which is owned by Apple, has basically cut ties with him. What does Roger Goodell do with Deshaun Watson in this particular matter?
1: Well, I'm going to tell you something. The The NFL is in a pickle. It's a no-win situation for them right now, in my opinion. The thing is, is that the NFL is sitting back not doing anything at the moment. They're letting the, uh, the legal stuff play out and see what happens. But you, you have that those group of people out there saying, "Well, oh, the NFL is not doing anything. They're, they're not they're sitting back. They're not doing anything." But the problem is that they go ahead and put Deshaun Watson on the exempt list. Then the other side, people are like, "Wait a minute! He's rushing it too fast. Why are they doing this? Nothing's happening yet. He's not found guilty or anything." So I just think they're in a no-win position right now. I think, to me personally, it's better to. Sit back and wait a little bit before you put him on the list.
0: Well, I think ultimately Goodell, I mean, with the, all these allegations, he's ultimately going to put him on the exempt list, um, which is, you know, by basically he's just going to be sitting out. He's still going to get his salary, but he's just not going to be able to play. And I think when you're on the exempt list, you have to reinstate. um until you have to re- get reinstated by Goodell himself. Is that correct?
1: Uh, I believe that is correct. Once you're on that list, you can't play. Uh, I'm not sure what the – you said uh, they still get paid a salary on that?
0: Yeah, they do get their base salary, um, basically. They just don't get to play. So
1: I, I just have this feeling, though, with 22 allegations now. To me, that's, that's an incredible number right now. And well, and I don't think this thing's going to be uh, going quickly either. So, right now, you still got the draft coming up. Uh, Houston needs to look ahead to another quarterback of the moment. Uh, you can't think about waiting for Deshaun Watson because no way I see him playing in game one of the regular season this fall.
0: You know, it's funny, I, and I read a press release from his attorney, Rusty Harden, I believe his name is. He's a very well known attorney in the Houston based area. He represented um, Adrian Peterson when Adrian Peterson had his domestic, oh, not domestic, but his child abuse thing back in like 2014. Uh, he represented, I remember that. He represented Roger Clemens when Clemens was. Basically, essentially called for the Senate to um, basically, uh, wh- what am I trying to say? Basically, dared the Senate to like, you know, go into to investigate him to see if he was using PEDs or not back in, uh, I believe it was 2007. And so he's a, a well-known attorney. And he gave this specific quote, and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. Basically, he said, Deshaun Watson did not force any of the women to do anything. And you could take a lot from that one little quote. Again, I did paraphrase it, It's not the exact quote, but that's more or less what he said. Meaning, he didn't force them, but something apparently did happen. We just don't know what it is. And the fact that there is 22, the sheer volume of this 22 women alone coming out, is just, it looks bad. Because, I mean, you know, put, put, put that quote together. Something did allegedly happen. We just don't know what.
1: Well, Reggie, you, you, it's it, the word forced was actually in that, uh, statement. Um, that tells me right there that he actually did get these massages from these women. So that tells me that did happen, but now you're going up against, uh, he against she kind of scenario. But the problem for Deshaun Watson is there's not just one woman that's, uh, going against him on this one. So. It's it's a lot there, but we we'll have to wait and see what happens.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, he seemed. I mean, again, we never know who these guys are. I mean, he seemed like a stand-up guy. I was always a big fan of him, even going back to Clemson. But it's just pretty much again, we never know who these people are. So, hopefully, that gets cleared up for all. For you know, everybody's particular matter that way everyone can go on with their lives um i don't think deshaun watson ever recovers from this as far as reputation wise and um you know i don't expect him to play this year to be done honest with you if i can make a bold take i don't expect him to play at any point in time
1: this year i don't i I agree with you reggie and you know i i think his uh yeah he's gonna be done for the year uh i think it's gonna come out we we have the whole summer ahead of us right now uh, at least it's not in the middle of the football season. But, again, it's, it's the important thing it's, uh, about the alleged uh, victims involved. You know, hopefully it's not true. And uh, hopefully uh, Deshaun can clear his name. But if not, then, you know, he gets what's coming to him. And that's that. Exactly.
0: All right. Let's focus on the NFL draft. Uh, we're about three weeks away. Uh, there was obviously no trades that happened this particular past week. But... I have heard a rumor and I, I don't have sources, but I did, you know, watch, I think I was watching on the NFL network or it might've been Fox sports one that Atlanta is open, is open up to trading for the uh, trading that fourth pick. Who do you think is the ideal dance partner? Denver, well, I heard- Denver. You think they try to come up? Maybe the Patriots.
1: Well, I've heard that rumor. Um, it all depends what the Falcons do at number four. Um, to me, if you're really stuck with the uh, – I mean, Matt Ryan is still playing at a good, a high level. He's 35 years old, but the contract that they have with him right now, he's really there for another two years. Exactly. Doesn't it make sense to get a quarterback at number four and have him sit for two years? Do uh, you remember what Green Bay did a few years ago? Oh, they got Jordan Love in the first round, and guess what? It's about four years later, he's still – a up to Rodgers, I believe, or he got traded somewhere. I can't, I can't even remember. But uh, I don't think the Falcons want to be in that scenario. So uh, the team that does trade up uh, would be a team looking for a quarterback with the exception of one team that's enamored and absolutely loves uh, Kyle Pitts, and that would be the Dallas Cowboys. But I think the Cowboys have a lot more issues than just their – uh, tied in right now yeah, on that team.
0: I was actually going to bring that up in a question later on as uh, Pitts to Dallas, but the, uh, the new head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, Arthur Smith, there is a rumor that I heard on a particular show, I forget which show it was, that they might be in the mix of taking Kyle Pitts at number four if they stay put. You match Kyle Pitts with a Matt Ryan, like you said, he's going to be there – more than likely for the two years. He's still a good player. He still puts up good numbers. You kind of have the back nine of Julio Jones' career. Um, match a guy like that, give Matt Ryan another weapon, probably the the most explosive, well, maybe not the most explosive, but the safest weapon in this particular draft.
1: I mean, well, is that... Yeah, the that's, way...
0: That's, the that's, way everyone, that's, that's an option that could happen.
1: Well, the, the way that everyone talks about Kyle Pitts is, uh, like he's the greatest tight end we've seen in 20 years. So, uh, but the guy is a physical specimen. He's, he killed it at his pro day and so forth. And, uh, uh, teams are loving him and they're talking about teams training enough to get Kyle Pitts at number four. So how good is he? And he's going to be a great weapon for whoever drafts him. I mean, it could be Atlanta, it could be Cincinnati, Miami. Uh, it goes down the list. Yeah, he could now, he
0: could fall to any of those any of those three teams. Atlanta, Cincinnati, Dolphins. I wouldn't be surprised if either one of those three teams take him.
1: It wouldn't surprise me either. And uh Atlanta could definitely well uh take him as well as number four, so um or they could trade down. It could be interesting. I I I've never seen so much uh action concerning the draft, and yet we're not even at the draft yet. We've still got uh, another uh, weeks. couple weeks, three weeks. Three weeks. Yeah. So uh, I can't wait for the draft. But my favorite team sitting at number five, as a fan, I'm like, we are lucky to be sitting where we're sitting right now because we're definitely going to get a great player, whether it's going to be Sewell, Chase, or even Pitt, or be lucky to trade down just far enough to still get a great player. So uh, I'm happy to bangle fan, we're going to be getting a good player regardless. Well,
0: let me ask you this, and, and you brought it up a little bit earlier. Do you think Dallas makes a move? Either, okay, either two things will happen. Somehow Pitts will fall to, I, I believe the Cowboys have the 10th pick. Correct. Or they trade up slightly. Let's say they trade up with the Dolphins or your beloved Bengals. And they, you know, whatever capital that they have, and they're just, they just go all in. I mean, Jerry Jones is pushing 80. He's going to see another weapon. Basically, look, they, they signed Dak to that big contract. Well-deserved, by the way. They have Zeke, and is going into his sixth season. They have Cooper. They have uh, C.D. Lamb. And then he looks at a guy like Pitts to kind of at least bolster that offense more. And, uh, you know, in a, a, a weak NSC East, basically just basically stamp their, stamp their ticket as, like, we're going to win this division. Let's get the best, potentially the best, well, the second-best player offensive player in the draft. Do you think Dallas will be bold enough to make a move like that?
1: Well, we're talking about Jerry Jones here, right? right. So, and, and what I've heard is that he is really, he's the one that's really enamored and loves, uh, Pitt. and he's the one that's going to make the decision. So I'm sure the GM or the coach is like, wait a minute, you know, let's talk about defense. maybe, maybe, An offensive tackle will protect Dak Prescott. Look at the injury he just had. I mean, the offense was on fire when Prescott was healthy. And you added Kyle Pitts to that offense, they'd be going out there outscoring teams. But the defense, they need to do something with that defense.
0: Well, they have a lot of bad, bad contracts on that defense. I don't know if they can really do anything outside of just buy them out or just release them. But
1: um... Um, I agree with you there. They're they're in a bad situation there, and I don't know what draft capital they would have to trade up unless they want to uh, give up some players.
0: Okay. Uh, do you think the Patriots make a move up?
1: Again, it's, like, it's the Patriots. Uh, don't count out Bill Belichick. Um, he he runs it there, and Kraft, you know, gives him the the reins to do what he wants there. So uh, the Patriots are so far down at fifteen. Uh, I know they want a quarterback, but uh, I, going all the way to number four, um, now they do have players that they could trade. I'm looking at all these free agents they signed, so who knows what they can do? I actually maybe that was just maybe that was just to add up to, for a trade to trade up to get that fourth pick and a quarterback. Because right now, you know, the top three teams will get quarterback. I mean, at least we think so. Right? Yeah.
0: I I think they st- they stand pat and I think they get their quarterback at twelve. I think the way they're things
1: 15.
0: Are, Oh they're fifteen?
1: They're fifteen. Really? Okay. Yes. Philadelphia's okay. a twelve.
0: Oh, okay, 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 yeah, yeah, okay. I see what you mean. Um I think they move up to at least twelve then. I think they'll Well who come. who would be the quarterback? And another topic I was just about to get I think it'll be Justin Fields.
1: So you think he'll drop all the way to number 12?
0: I think so. With The way people are crucifying him, I, I do believe that is something that could happen.
1: So that means Justin Fields would have to get by uh, the Denver Broncos at number 9.
0: I think, I think Trey Lance goes, uh, whether they go to 4, whether they make the trade with Atlanta to go gets uh, the the fourth pick, or he stays at nine, or they stay at nine, I think Lance goes there.
1: Okay, so Fields could go to number four then if somebody trades up for quarterback.
0: Pretty much, if that's the case. Now, if they do make that trade, I'm assuming everything stays the same and Atlanta doesn't trade that pick, I think he can fall as far down to 12, 13. Justin Fields, that is.
1: I I bet you anything that... Five quarterbacks. Those five we talk about will be all drafted in the top ten.
0: Okay. Well, I mean that's that's uh, that's a fair assessment.
1: So, that is a fair so assessment. Like, even even if Atlanta picked Kyle Pitts at number four, you got a quarterback. Carolina, even though they made the trade with Darnold, they shouldn't pick a quarterback. But they could sit back and go, "Yeah, do we draft one later?" No, maybe not. Denver uh, definitely would definitely get one of those guys. That's four quarterbacks, but it depends on if Atlanta gets the quarterback, then the other one definitely can go in the top 10.
0: Okay. We'll see how that plays out. I mean, that, that can go either way. I mean, depending on who makes the trades and who, you know, I know Justin Fields is getting a second pro day, which I know uh, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan will be there, uh, which actually brings me to my next point. And this might be a bit of a sore spot. So, I'm hearing rumors upon rumors upon rumors that at number three, the 49ers are looking to take Mac Jones. And that came from – one of those particular rumors came from Adam Schefter, who probably has the most – outside of maybe Jay Glazer, has probably the best sources in the NFL.
1: Mac Jones Jones
0: at three to the 49ers, I cannot – in I, I can't even consider that to be a, a, a thought. No offense to Mac Jones, but I, I mean, look, I'll, I'll let you kind of break it down, and then I'll give you my particular opinion on why I don't see him or why he should not go number three. But I, I, I'm hearing more and more steam coming about that particular selection from the 49ers.
1: Well, actually, Reggie, this story is not over yet because, uh, you know, what was interesting was why did the the 49ers, uh, their head coach, and why did they and, and Lynch? why did they go to Mac Jones Pro day instead of Justin Field the same day it happened? That was number one. number two, Justin Field just announced that they had a second they're having a second pro day.
0: right uh, Yeah, I just
1: mentioned- he be the last one the 49ers are seeing a pro day. When is that, by the way?
0: It uh, should be sometime next week. I don't know the exact date.
1: But so now, Justin Beals is thinking probably, wait a minute, what about me? Because his name hadn't been out there for the 49ers with all the so-called experts saying, okay, the Mac Jones is all smoke. So, he'll be fresh in their minds when they go see his bow day, and that would definitely help him out.
0: <laughs> true enough. True enough. Or it could be... You know, just kind of like a second opinion, but they already have Mac in mind, Mac Jones. Um, it's really hard to tell because you're hearing a lot of different, a lot of different things, a lot of different, you know, sources, a lot of rumors, and it seems like Mac Jones' name is coming up, and it's 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 just kind of it's just showing up at that number three spot, or at least like you said, like a top five. Um, I don't, I, I still can't understand how a guy who at the end of the season, was considered a late first round, late first rounder, and now is elevated up to a third, the third pick. When the guy who was um, coming into the year, who had a good year in Justin Fields, was the second quarterback, didn't really do anything to, you know, to 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 you know, disregard anybody that. This guy is not going to, you know, he's not the second pick or he's not one of the top three or four best players in the draft, but yet he's a guy who could potentially be the last of the quarterbacks taken. I still don't I, – look, I know Mac Jones had a, a great year. I mean, I think he set the NCAA pass – the the efficiency – passing efficiency record would, I think, used to be – was held by Baker Mayfield, and he uh, broke the completions uh, percentage. Uh, percentage
1: record, record is correct, yeah.
0: But it's a system – look – it's kind of like what USC back in the day when they had these great uh, great talent they had these great quarterbacks who were good college quarterbacks.
1: They had just wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, Reggie. Hold yeah. on a second. So what system? They've only had two really good quarterbacks there recently. That hadn't been a system. It's just it's well, look, just been two quarterbacks. Like well fifteen years. Look,
0: look at their offensive line. Look at the skilled position players. Look at their running game. Look at their coaching staff. I mean, it's hard to say, like, hey, you know, uh, when you take a guy like, let's say, I'm trying to think of who's a quarterback. Um, Trying to think of somebody who was drafted last year. Who's one of the – well, Joe Burrow's another one. He'd be a bad example because he had a great team around him. Tua had a great team around him. I'm trying to think, who's uh, 18, 2018? Let's say a guy like Josh Allen who had no weapons around him played in a small school obviously but kind of showed enough talent to you know at least like uh, you know draw up a lot of interest Mel Kuyper and I'll give him credit and I don't really go by anything Mel Kuyper's you know has has ever said outside when when he told me Jamarcus Russell was gonna be a great quarterback I stopped listening to anything he ever had to say but he had Josh Allen number one ranked on the board now Everything matters where you go to. You know, if Josh Allen goes to the Jets, he might turn into Sam Darnold, this, that, and the other. But, you know, when you look at highlights of Mac, Mac Jones, he has all the time in the world to throw. He, Even though they lost all these great skill position players last year in the draft with Judy and Ruggs, and um, if I'm missing somebody else, you let me know. But, you know, they still had Waddle. They had Devon, uh, uh, Devontae Smith. They had Najee Harris. They had a great line. Look at a lot of his his highlights. He's barely touched.
1: But think about this, though. Yeah, you're correct, Reggie. Alabama had a great offensive line. and a great talent player. But let's put him in a San Francisco 49er uniform. He's got some receivers there. He's got a great tight end. They got a good offensive line. So it it could be depending on the system he goes to. It depends which fits best. Question is, uh, what quarterback may fit better for San Francisco? Uh, it really it's up to uh, the brass there and and figure out what it is. So,
0: so it's more of a fit because I have heard.
1: I agree completely. it has got to be a fit, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I've heard Kyle Shanahan liked, and he obviously made a guy like Kirk Cousins look better than what he actually what he actually was. Uh he, he actually he obviously I should say turned Matt Ryan into an MVP candidate or M V P winner, I should say. Um he likes basically I guess the term that they use a joystick. Basically he can just he'll call the plays and that guy will go out and execute it just standing in a pocket.
1: And just you know, Well, you know what, Randy? It's on the uh this is one the best way I can describe it. Most quarterbacks uh drafted in the top ten, those are teams that are Either trying to find the quarterback in the future to sit behind uh, a really good quarterback in his final year or two, or at the quarterback they plan on starting, and they have to build a team around them. Mac Jones is not the quarterback; you build a team around him. He has to be in that right place with great players surrounding him to succeed. For example, I think San Francisco is one team. That's why they were saying New England uh, in the draft. They were saying New Orleans late in the first round, earlier on. Mm-hmm. They were they were selecting teams that are already in pretty good shape.
0: That have good foundations.
1: Yes. So that's what I mean by that. The 49ers are the only team I see in the top, uh, let's see, top seven or eight right now that – would be had a good foundation at the moment. The other teams are still rebuilding, and you're trying to rebuild around those quarterbacks. I guess that's the best way to explain it, and that's why Matt Jones, in my opinion, is getting a lot of talk right now. to just the 49ers.
0: Well, here's something that I think is going to happen. I actually think Garoppolo is going to get traded at some point in time in the next three weeks.
1: I'll remember that. Yeah, that's very possible. So
0: that's why I'm thinking. Look, do I want the guy? And and that is a perfect illustration of what Mac Jones is and the teams that he should go to. Um, if you're going, to, if you're going to take a quarterback that high, I want the dynamic guy with the higher ceiling. Uh, Justin Fields. I'm not going to go into Trey Lance because I don't know what Trey Lance is. I, I've never watched him play. I've watched certain highlights. I've, I haven't broken down a ton of film. I'm not an NFL scout. Um, he actually obviously played in a, a, a lower division or lower, uh, you know, a lower college compared to the the the, the three the three main guys that we're, we've been talking about. I've seen him in his pro day. He looks like a guy who can be a franchise quarterback. Ball comes out of his hand really nice. You know, tight spiral, big frame, uh, athleticism, but I don't know what he is. So my pro- my my thought process is if they go that high at number three and they made that trade weeks ago to do that, you're going to take the guy with the higher ceiling. Even though they have a good foundation, they have obviously uh, uh, George Kittle, they have some receivers that have a great offensive line, I don't think I I just can't justify justifiably take a Mac Jones who like you said perfectly illustrated needs to be in a system with coaching around him that he can um flourish in that he can grow in and obviously become you know I mean his his ceiling might be Kirk Cousins for all we know. Is that a fair comparison?
1: No, that's what they say Kirk Cousins and now the, I, I don't believe Justin Fields is that good of a passer. I think Mac Jones is a much, much better passer. And in the NFL, passing wins games. You're looking, at, you're looking at Lamar Jackson and Baltimore, where they were dead last in the NFL in all these passing categories. Fortunately for Baltimore, Lamar Jackson is one heck of a runner that could run all over the field. And they had the offensive the line, the running back. Um, to me, I'll take a great passer over a great running well, quarterback.
0: Let me, let, me, let me actually throw this at you. I think, well, Justin Fields is the better arm. I mean, nobody can deny that. Stronger arm. I think he's very accurate. Obviously, I, you know, by accuracy, I'm just, accuracy with velocity, you know, the tighter throws. It's not to say, like, obviously, Justin Fields didn't play with a lot of talent around him. But judging from what I saw, I would say Fields has the better overall arm
1: well, Matt 50-yard bombs in a throw
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess, look, it's, it's just... Um, more
1: accurate, more accurate, well, and he's better at reading defenses than Justin Fields, okay, in my okay. opinion.
0: I'm glad you actually brought that part up. We don't know if, if uh, Justin Fields can't read a defense or not. I mean, what if Ryan Day and uh, whoever his uh, offensive coordinator at Ohio State is, is basically like, look, go through the first progression. If the first progression is not there, you know, do something, you know, like uh, scramble out and and make a play. We don't know, like basically, you know, I hear that's the biggest knock on him that he cannot, you know, he doesn't go through his progressions. What if his progression is just the first read?
1: Well, you know what? If he if he had trouble reading defenses, he won't last in the NFL. That's for sure. Well,
0: no, but uh, what I'm saying is, what if that's what he was instructed to do? Not necessarily that he can't go through his progressions, but he was just instructed to just go through the first one and then make a play. Because I mean, look, he had a great season. He, I, I think you know what I think happened with Justin Fields is basically that game against Indiana, and Indiana at the time was a top ten team. I think he was basically pressing. Trying to do too much, trying to win a Heisman Trophy on not one game, and basically when they ran into Northwestern, Northwestern threw a lot of different defensive looks at him, and he was just like, you know, "Northwestern was a good team; they were undefeated, were they not?"
1: Yes, but you know what? You, you, it, it sounds to me, Reggie, the last few weeks your tune has changed a little bit in Justin Field. I remember a few weeks ago you were saying you don't. You can't see it. I don't see it in Justin Fields, which I still feel at this point. But I think he's the tune a little bit, which is fine. I just don't see it. I just don't think that uh, he's going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL even three or four years from now.
0: I just think he's been, uh, cru- you know, crucified unfairly for basically nothing. I mean, he's played great in, in both bowl games that he's been in. I mean, outside of the two games last year against Indiana and Northwestern, the guy had a tremendous season, and now he's just being ripped apart. And I don't really get it. So, yeah, I've I've become somewhat of a cheerleader. You're absolutely right, of Justin Fields. Because it's just like, I just feel like he's just being knocked for... People are nitpicking him to death. It's almost like, it's like, wow. Like, the guy is just... He was always 1-1-A and with Trevor Lawrence. He's done nothing to discredit that. Yet people scouts and, and 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 you know you know analysts and whatever are just like kind of breaking him down nitpicking him to death I'm just like it's just crazy but we'll see what happens with that if it's Mac Jones and, if it's Mac Absolutely. Jones at three or if it's um Justin uh, Justin Fields at three hell who knows it might even be Trey Lance at three we'll see how that plays out in the next three weeks obviously we'll be discussing more and more as the weeks progress I just wanted to touch on one thing before I go to the uh speed round questions and Uh, We wrap it up. Uh, The Sam Darnold trade. Uh, My personal opinion, I'm glad the Jets made it. You know, just give the guy a fresh start. Obviously, they're they're more than likely going to go with Zach Wilson. New management, new – or well, somewhat new management with Joe Douglas, but new coach, Robert Sala. Just start over. Don't put any kind of pressure on either one of them because, you know, God forbid they kept Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold plays week three, week two. Throws four picks and just gets booed out of the stadium. Completely destroys his confidence and brings his value down even more. And I thought it was the right move. I thought, I like the the uh, acquisition for the Carolina Panthers. They might be able to, re, you know, rebuild him, rebuild his confidence. He's going to have a guy like McCaffrey. He's going to have Robbie Anderson again. Um, I forget who their other uh, top receiver is. But they have a better offensive line than New York Jets. So I like the move. I think- is it man? Yes, yes, there you go, and um, I like the move for the Panthers. I like the move for both teams. We were able to get a second, a second, and they we got a fourth round this year, and I think it's a second and a sixth. I could I, it could be the other way around, but I know the second rounder. You're, you're correct.
1: You're correct.
0: Okay, so we get the second rounder next year, and we just get we get fourth, the second rounder next year. Yeah, correct. So um, I like move over there, and I'm, I'm look. I, I think. Sam Darnold, I was I was somewhat of a fan coming out. I didn't like his last particular season at USC, turnover machine. Um, but I was hopeful that he could be that guy that finally, you know, becomes, you know, a franchise quarterback for us. Never happened. He was not put in the best of situations, but even the opportunities where he had a chance to show that he could have some kind of flash, flashes of greatness to be a franchise quarterback – he never showed it, and every opportunity that he had always was hurt or missed time for whatever particular reason. And the fact and this was the damning aspect of him, the fact that when he was in that same offense with a guy like Joe Flacco, who Joe Flacco was always an average quarterback, outside of maybe the three playoff games in 2013 that he, had, that he helped um, elevate the Baltimore Ravens to the Super Bowl, this has always been a pedestrian quarterback. And Joe Flacco, in that same offense as Sam Darnold, put up better numbers and moved the ball better. I thought that was the most damning effect on Sam Darnold from Jets fans and basically the organization. Let me hear your opinion on Sam Darnold trade.
1: Um, I completely agree with you on the value of the trade. I think it was really good for both teams. Uh, I was actually surprised that Jets got a second round on the trade, which uh, I think that's what he is barely worth at this point. He's been very inconsistent. Uh, you know, as you know, I got in a heated text debate with one of our friends about believe, every starting quarterback to be a first-round pick. Oh, that was entertaining. <laughs> so, sorry, but I will not mention names. But uh, No, I think it was a good trade for both teams. Sam Darnold definitely needs a new scenery. Uh, I We'll see what happens in Carolina. But also, I think another friend of ours Is convinced is the Adam Gase effect. And you know what? I can't uh, disagree with him because Adam Gase, to me, is a joke for a head coach. And the Jets were stuck with him for, what, two years? So uh, I don't think that helped uh, Donald at all in his development. So I honestly don't know what we really have. I think we're going to find out when he goes to Carolina, see what he has. And it'll be a fresh start, like you said, for the New York Jets new head coach, uh, you know, a new quarterback. And it was definitely the right move for both sides.
0: Okay. All right. Fair enough. And hopefully everybody wins from this particular trade. I always hate to see trades that happen where one team gets screwed over really badly. In this particular case, the Jets were looking for a fresh start. They're going to get their franchise quarterback. Um, I don't know what the Carolina Panthers are going to do. I'm hearing rumors that they are going to take another quarterback or potentially might. Um, hopefully, Donald will get his chance. Will kind of you know resurrect his career? For, by all means, he just he, you know, everything I've ever heard about him is like he is a nice guy. He's never caused any uh, commotions. Never blamed anybody. Just kept his mouth shut and tried to you know he was unfortunately put in a bad situation and he didn't help himself. And you know, in the, with the three four years that he was with the four years that he was with the uh eighteen eighteen nineteen twenty yeah three it was years, three, three years.
1: I so, yeah yeah the three years. And- right. He was with uh, the New York Jets. So. And on a side note, if you're the Houston Texans, you go out and get Teddy Bridgewater right now. Because he's still in he's still in Carolina. So you get Teddy Bridgewater if you're Houston Texans. Why not?
0: Yeah, actually, that wouldn't make a lot of sense. I mean, they don't have a plan B uh, if Watson doesn't play this particular season, which we both. They got Tyrod Taylor as the starting
1: quarterback. Oh, yeah, right. So that's right.
0: They do have Tyrod Taylor. I don't know. Uh, is either one a serious upgrade over each other? Um,
1: Split Carter would definitely be somewhat of an upgrade over Taylor, I in my think, opinion.
0: You know who I'd like to see where, where I'd like to see Teddy Bridgewater go? The Patriots.
1: Um,
0: I'd love to see that. I think he'd work very
1: well up there. Well, Cam's there for another year, so that's not going to happen. Right, but, I, you know,
0: like, I think that would be a good point. I mean, we never know how healthy Cam is going to be, how much he might struggle again. I mean, it it could be, you know, Cam might just, just be finished, and he'd be a good backup.
1: And you know what? You know, New England may pick up a Kyle Trask in the second or third round from Florida. True. You never know. True.
0: Okay, uh, this, that's about it with the NFL talk. I'm just going to throw four speed questions. I'm going to answer them as well, but I'll give you uh 1st that at-bat at it. All right, better season next year, Carson Wentz or Jared Goff?
1: Oh, wow, you're putting me on the spot here. I'm going to say uh, Carson Wentz going to redeem himself. Uh, because he'll have better weapons around him in, in Indianapolis.
0: I'll, you know what? Just for the argument, argument of debate, I'll go Jared Goff. I think he'll be rejuvenated. I think he'll surprisingly just make some kind of comeback. I, I've watched enough of Jared Goff to know, like, when he's on, he's actually a pretty, you know, he's a, he's a very good thrower. He, you know, he he unfortunately just has these ways where he goes up and down, up and down. I don't really know how broken Carson Wentz is. I think reuniting him with Frank Wright obviously might bring him back, but just for the sake of argument, I'll go with Jerry Goff. All
1: right. okay, good.
0: Okay, so let's see. Second one, Justin Herbert, sophomore slump?
1: Uh, not at all. I, I think Justin Herbert is definitely the, the real deal. Uh, I think he and Joe Burrow were the two guys, young quarterback last year, that show that, oh, yeah, they got it. And now the Chargers are really building a line around him. Uh, he's going to be just fine.
0: I agree completely with you on that. All right, Tua Tungavailoa, does he improve from last year?
1: Uh, there's no question I think he will improve. Uh, they're going to have a training camp. They're going to have a you know, three preseason games. We have to remember. You know, all these quarterbacks and, and playmakers, they, no preseason last year, no training camp, that's what made Herbert and uh, Ruel is much more special. So, yes, I think he'll improve.
0: I agree with that. I think he'll improve slightly. The thing about, uh, you know, Tua is the fact that I, I don't know if he has the it factor. I mean, even some of the throws that he made, there's no, there's no wow kind of like, oh, my God, that was an incredible throw. That's just, like, he just, he just looks very, I don't know, he looks very pedestrian. Like, and I know they didn't open up the playbook for him, but do you think he has it in him to be a dynamic playmaker? Or do you think he's just going to be, you know, like, as you mentioned, like, you know, Mac Jones, kind of a guy. Like, he has to be in the right situation, the right organization to build around him where he just has to make the right play. They're not going to rely on him to win the games. You just rely on him not to lose them.
1: No, he definitely has the S Factor. Uh Alabama he had the S Factor. And, and you know, in the off season when he was throwing with a couple uh wide receiver guys, they say he's got it. Um, he just needs to have more confidence in still him, right? He he needs to have more confidence uh moving forward. But he definitely can make those NFL throws. There's no question about it. I, I just thought that the Dolphins really were over cautious with him last year. Well, you don't have Fitzpatrick anymore. This is it. You look. You let the range go and let him be who he is, and then we'll see what quarterback he's going to be.
0: Okay, fair enough. All right, very, very, very early Super Bowl favorites. One team.
1: Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers.
0: Okay, I'll go with the uh, L.A. Rams. Okay, and the fact that you bring up the Bucks. Last question. Does, uh, does uh, old man Tom Brady show uh, decline next year?
1: In the second half of the season, yes, finally. But I've been saying that for the last three or four years. So, who knows?
0: He's been proving everybody wrong. I actually agree with that. I think he's finally going to have to come back down to earth and show us his age. And he's going to have. It's going to either be some kind of injury or something that happens where it's just going to ha- hamper him throughout the the, the, the uh, rest the rest of the season. And he's going to start to come down to earth, and he's just going to slow but sure decline.
1: Yeah, that's what I think. I think it's going to be kind of like Drew Brees. Remember, he just, this past season, he had a strong start. The second half of the season, he could not throw the football down the field.
0: I agree. I agree. All right, man. That's episode two in the books. Brant, thank you so much. I'll uh, talk to you next week. We'll do our thing. And um, much love, man. Thank you.
1: All right. Thank you, Reggie. I appreciate it.
0: All right. Thank you. That is Brant Weber, everyone. All right, so uh, that's episode two. Check us out on Spotify, Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio, Republic, uh, Radio Public, and, uh, yeah, those are the seven uh, streams that we are currently on at the, at the moment. And uh, check out episode three next week. And with that being said, peace and love. See you next time.